Hello, and welcome to the Dr. Nurse Mama Show, prescribing hope for healthy families here on American Family Radio. Here's your host, professor, pediatric nurse practitioner, and mom of four, Dr. Jessica Peck. Well, hey, friends, and happy Monday in February. Can you believe that we are already seven weeks into this new year? I think some years it seems like January just drags by and takes forever. But this year, I don't know about you, but it seemed really fast to me. Now, I hope that you are jumping in on our journey to develop 52 Habits for Healthy Parenting. Every week we'll be introducing a new healthy habit. If you are caught up for January, then you are incorporating prayer more into your daily routine. You are memorizing scripture, however many you set for your goal for this year. You're plugged into a local church. You're listening to Christian or worship music. You're practicing intentional gratitude. And last week we talked a lot about listening with your face, not having your face in a screen, especially when your kids are talking to you. Now, I want to go back and talk about memorizing scripture and just share with you that the scriptures I'm memorizing, I'm memorizing one a week, so 52 scriptures this year. I'm sharing those with you both here and on social media. You can find me at Dr. Nurse Mama on both Facebook and Instagram. So here are the scriptures that I have so far. Commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. Proverbs 16, 3. And then I have surely God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. The Lord, the Lord himself is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. Isaiah 12, 2. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. Psalm 56, 3. I will instruct and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. Psalm 32, 8. And then the Lord is my strength and my shield. In him my heart trusts and I am helped. My heart exults and with my song I give thanks to him. Psalm 28, 7. If one gives an answer before he hears, it is his folly and shame. Proverbs 18, 13. And then this week, it ties into our healthy habit. When you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Proverbs 3, 24. That is, those are the scriptures that I'm memorizing, and I hope that you will do that along with me. Now, this week, we are talking about bedtime routine. Some of you have been saying, okay, Jessica, when are you going to get to the practical things? We've talked about a lot of spiritual constructs, but we want to talk about some practical things. And this week, that is bedtime routine. Now, there are some very clear benefits to health when we have a good bedtime routine. And I don't care if you have a newborn baby, if you're in those toddler days, if you have teenagers, or if you are a grown person, all of us need to sleep every single day. And the best way for our kids to sleep is for us to care about our sleep too. Now, most adults need seven or more hours of good quality sleep on a regular schedule every single night. Now, I know that I don't get that for sure. And that is something that I really struggle with. And getting enough sleep isn't only about how many hours of sleep. 
And it's also important to get good quality sleep on a regular schedule so that you do feel rested when you wake up. Now, next week, we'll talk about the quality of sleep. But this week, I want to talk about that bedtime routine. Now, teenagers, they need about eight to 10 hours of sleep each night. And most teenagers are definitely not getting that. And school-age children need about 9 to 12 hours of sleep each night. Preschoolers need about 10 to 13 hours a day. Now that does include naps. So you may think they're not sleeping 10 to 13 hours a day. Well, if they're taking a two or three hour nap during the day, that's not going to help you out very much. It's about 10 to 13 hours total. Toddlers need 11 to 14 hours a day and babies, of course, 12 to 16 hours a day. Some days I feel like I'm a baby. I'm just going to be honest with you about that. And why is getting sleep important? It has many benefits. It can help you get sick less often. It actually impacts our weight and our stress It lowers your risk for serious health problems like diabetes and heart disease. Getting good sleep actually reduces our stress and improves our mood. It helps us think more clearly and do better in school or at work. It helps us to get along better with people and it helps us make good decisions because really one of the serious to think serious things to think about is that when we're not getting enough sleep it can impact even the way that we drive causing car accidents even so that matters it also does matter when you sleep now listen to this your body sets a biological clock according to the pattern of daylight where you are and it helps you get sleepy at night and stay alert during the day so it really is important if you can to go to sleep at about the same time now i know in today's busy world for us as parents that's not always possible and so what can help is having a routine at night you may not be going to bed at the same time But going to bed in the same sequence can be really helpful in setting you up for really good quality sleep because we need to have rapid eye movement or that deep REM stage of sleep where our bodies are literally repairing themselves and our brain starts to process thoughts and experiences that we have had during the day. Our bodies even work to give us therapy during the night while we're sleeping and we're not aware of that. Now, things that can make that harder to do, harder for our bodies to work effectively are experiencing stress or anxiety, or if we're in physical pain, if we are taking medications that might be impacting our sleep, or here's a tough one, having too much caffeine, maybe coffee, tea, or soda, those things can impact the way that we are sleeping. So parents, this really is very important for us to do. So some of the things that I would encourage you to do in setting a simple bedtime routine. Now, this does not need to be elaborate. You don't need to have, you know, aromatherapy every night and formal tea set or something like that. But if you can just focus on having one or two things in a bedtime routine that signal your body, hey, it's time to start going to sleep you really will see significant returns on that. So it can be helpful to set an alarm and not an alarm to go to sleep or an alarm to wake up, but an alarm that it's time for you to start winding down 
and getting ready for bed. Now, one of the things that can be most stressful for us in our sleep is waking up the next morning and feeling like lunches aren't made, backpacks aren't ready, homework's all over the table, everything that we need to do, we're rushing around in the morning. So that can be a healthy way of integrating something into your bedtime routine that is routine. Exactly the meaning of that, that you're doing it every night is your morning prep. So that might mean for you laying out your cereal dishes or breakfast dishes or making the coffee to go to be made in the morning already. It might be making sure that all the backpacks are packed and they are by the door and ready to go. So you're not running around looking for shoes. It might be laying out your clothes for the day ahead. So just incorporating some of that morning prep into your bedtime routine, it actually pays benefits to your body, both psychologically and biologically. So having some of those wind down activities, maybe it's where the house shifts into another gear and you start to play music, or you start to do some of those things like brush your teeth or change into pajamas, or start to have some things like mindfulness, intentional gratitude, or reading, or prayer time. What is that wind down cue to your body that it's time to start thinking about bedtime? Now, kids who have a bedtime routine, here's the payoff. This is what you need to listen for. They fall asleep faster. They stay asleep longer. They sleep better, meaning they don't get up in the middle of the night and hallelujah, how many parents don't want that. It also improves their mood. It enhances the bond between parent and child. And they, again, sleep through the night with higher quality sleep. So those things are really important. Now, before I get into some specifics for routines with your kids that you can have, I want to take a minute to talk about blue light. Now, that is a really tough thing, but it is very normative and very common for all of us to engage with screens right before we go to bed. A lot of kids actually go to sleep with a screen on. And often when I go to speak somewhere, or if I'm seeing patients in clinic, parents will tell me my kid cannot go to sleep without a screen. And, you know, I think that's really hard and can be a really hard habit to break. But if you don't break it, it may seem easier for you in the night but it's not paying dividends in the morning because of the way that those high intensity blue lights impact our brains. So in the morning, when we wake up and we see bright morning skies, those high intensity blue light waves that come from the sun, they tell us, Hey, it's time to wake up. And they literally impact our circadian rhythm and our biological clock, our sleep, wake, internal body clock. But if we have that natural or artificial blue light at night, it boosts our alertness and our mental sharpness, and it's very difficult to wind down. The other thing that we need to know is that our eyes are not actually very good at blocking blue light. So that blue light passes straight through to the back of our retina and it activates our brain to translate light into images. It kind of puts our brain in this hyperactivity state. 
And it's important for us to expose ourselves to all colors of light to control our natural sleep wake cycle. So, and again, that blue light is going to impact your body's ability to sleep because do you know what blue light does? It actually blocks melatonin production in our brain that makes us sleepy. So when we're engaging in a bedtime routine and giving our body cues that it's time to wind down, it's time to go to sleep. And we know that even something as simple as brushing our teeth and changing into pajamas or reading for 10 or 15 minutes out of a book, it starts to signal our brain to secrete melatonin that makes us sleepy. And so that's really hard. Now, even us as adults, we spend an average of seven hours a day on electronic devices. That is a lot of time that we spend staring at a screen and having exposure to that blue light. And honestly, I'm guilty of this too, but in surveys done, nine out of 10 Americans admit that they will reach for an electronic device at least several nights every week before bedtime. And we often have it right there. So that light from our devices, it could be a TV, a smartphone, a tablet, a gaming system, a fluorescent light bulb, or LED bulbs or computer monitors. So the simplest way, of course, to to lower your exposure to blue light is to turn off your screen. You could also get some blue light blocking glasses. Those could be helpful to you. But really, we should cut back on our screen time at least an hour before bed, if not two to three hours. And you can also dim the brightness on your device. You can put it in night mode or dark mode. That might help. There are also some apps that you can get that will filter blue lights on the computer, or you can swap off your light bulbs and have a different light energy in your bedroom than you do in the rest of your house. All of those things are important. And for practical purposes, initiating a bedtime routine with your kids, again, it can be really simple. Just the same steps each night as many of the as many nights of the week as possible. So you should include about two to four what we call adaptive activities, those things that say, okay, we're adapting to a new phase of the day. That might be uh, having you know some tea before bed or bathing or brushing their teeth, getting a glass of water, reading, but having those positive parent-child interactions prior to sleep are really important. And it shouldn't last any longer than about 20 to 30 minutes. We're not talking about a Broadway production every single night, but I encourage you to think about your home and think, what kind of activities do you have? When we come back, I've got a repeat guest. I'm so excited to have Valerie Ellis back and we're going to have a talk mom to mom on how we do this. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Last year, because of you, Preborn's network of clinics saw over 58 thousand babies saved. Thank you to all who made this possible. Let's celebrate these precious babies. Daisy and her husband had decided they never wanted kids. And when she found out she was pregnant, she immediately thought abortion. But after she and her husband met her baby on ultrasound and heard the heartbeat, their hearts melted and they chose life. Her baby Jeffrey is healthy and beautiful and Daisy and her husband can't even imagine life without him. Each of these babies are truly miraculous, and every day, Preborn celebrates 200 miracles. 
$28 a month can be the difference between the life and death of a child. When a mother meets her baby on ultrasound and hears their heartbeat, it's a divine connection that doubles a baby's chance at life. Let's join together and help mothers choose life. Just dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250 baby or visit preborn.com. That's preborn.com. You're listening to the Dr. Nurse Mama Show with Dr. Jessica Peck on American Family Radio. Well, hey, friends, and welcome back to this Monday where we're talking about our 52 healthy habits for habits for healthy parenting. If you listened in on the first segment, you will already be in the know that our challenge to you this week is to develop a bedtime routine, whether you are five weeks old, five months old, five years old, 50 years old, 100 years old, it doesn't matter. You need a bedtime routine. And we talked about the impact of blue light in particular, which is a really difficult problem that we are all working through together. But we have to be honest that it does impact our health. Well, I'm excited to have with us here in studio today, Valerie Ellis. She is a children's book author author, a speaker, and she is founder of the multi-author online resource, Our Everyday Parables. Now, this is a great website that offers book reviews and parenting resources for families who are pursuing faith and compassion. Now, Valerie is a certified teacher, and she's passionate about helping kids and, and parents connect with God and each other in the everyday moments. Isn't that just the best? And she has several books. We featured one of those at Christmas time about finding joy. She's a member of Mops and Moms Next and the Texas Library Association. She is a mom of two, and you can find her at Our Everyday Parable. Com. And on social media, we'll let her share about that. Valerie, welcome back to the Dr. Nurse Mama Show. We're so happy to have you. It's my pleasure. I'm so glad to be here. Well, this is a subject that really gives a lot of parents a lot of nightmares, mm -hmm. shall we say, mm -hmm. right? Sleep can be one of the hardest things. And I know my first child was not a good sleeper, like for a long time. And here I am a pediatric nurse practitioner advising parents on sleep every day. And somehow I could not manage this. It was really difficult. And I noticed it did. It made me cranky. It, mm -hmm. it just made the mornings difficult. I remember splashing my face with cold water and looking at myself in the mirror very haggard, like just mm. awful looking, thinking, you can do this. Have you experienced this or have you just mastered it and oh. you need to share all your <laughs> secrets? Well, as far as sleep goes, you know, you hear some parents say, well, this one was not a good sleeper and then I had a good sleeper or this one was and then this one wasn't. Well, I had two kids who were not particularly great at it. <laughs> well, so I was like, great. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, while I don't have all the sleep secrets to share, I do feel like what we're talking about today with the bedtime routine is really important. And it can help us as parents too feel like we're contributing something. I mean, we can't control what happens when there's, you know, when they're supposed to be sleeping or when we want them to be sleeping, but we, this is something that we can control and show them, you know, love and security and safety in this time right before they go to bed. 
It is very true. And you know, for you as a teacher, you have experience as a teacher, how did you see lack of sleep impacting kids in the classroom? It definitely showed up. And and you could tell too, the ones who would get anxious with storms, and then they wouldn't get good sleep those nights, or they would share, oh, yeah, we had this family vacation, and we were all off out of sorts. And oh, okay, that explains a lot. (laughs) (laughs) So definitely, yeah, I saw that impacting in the classroom. And then just as a parent, knowing um, how fun it can be to like stay up late or be like, you know, very loose about things. But then knowing that the next day we might be paying for that. So my husband and I actually really saw a lot of value in bedtime routine when um, our kids were younger. And still now, my sons are 13 and 9. And so we um, definitely still keep the bedtime routine. But even when they were younger, um, we had that as a value and um, definitely saw, you know, when we strayed away from that, you know, just a harder day, just a harder day ahead the next day. So it's true. And I see that in my own home, especially in the summertime. I tend to struggle with that more. I'll start off the summer, you know, having a plan and feeling like I'm a rock star mom. And then about the middle of July, you know, somebody's up at two in the we're having teenagers, has somebody's up at two in the morning eating potato chips and watching something on the couch. And I don't know, you know, what friend is sleeping on the floor, <laughs> that kind of thing. And then I think, oh my goodness, what am I doing? But, you know, for me, Valerie, it, it's it's looked different in every stage and season, what bedtime looks like. So when our kids were really little, I want to talk about this and then we can kind of go up in, in the age. But even when they were really little babies, we read to them. That was mm-hmm. something that was really important. And sometimes it was just one quick story. And then other times it would just be beautiful and maybe 30 or 45 minutes where we're just reading all of these books. But I talked in the first segment about some of the disadvantages of screen and how Mm. our kids are not exposed to books anymore and us as well. So can you talk as a children's author and as a teacher about the importance of having that book in your hands with Mm. the manipulatives, with turning the pages and seeing the colors and having that motor connection with your brain? Mm -hmm. Definitely. You know, that is a really good point. And talking about routines, you know, routines, Reading is a routine in itself that can be very, um, it can help parents and kids share that affectionate bond, but also have that security, right? That's a need that kids have because it looks similar every time. I mean, sometimes you might read a more rambunctious book. Sometimes it might be more quiet, but you're choosing a book, you're holding it, you're sitting close together, you're turning the pages. And yes, all of that plays into that feeling of security where you're caring for the whole child, you know, um, not just emotional, not just physical, not just spiritual, but all of that's together. So that's really great. And I feel like, you know, I empathize with parents who've gotten into um, a habit of, you know, having the screen on right before bed. And something that came to mind when you were talking about that is audiobooks. You know, it's not that tactile experience. It's not that cuddly experience. But sometimes kids do need a little bit more wind down time. You know, they actually need to be like lying in their beds or whatever. So some audiobooks that aren't too exciting, that aren't too. (laughs) And they actually make some that are specifically to help kids go to sleep. And they're very 
monotonous and they have sleepy words and they're talking about yawning and the characters walking and letting it their thoughts get muddy and so all of that can help um so that just came to mind but um yes but reading books can be a really great way to um do that routine and a great way to help kids kind of incentivize them through the other steps that might not be as fun because they know the reading is coming because i feel like you know as a parent of young kids that was a struggle you know yes we set up this bedtime routine but could we get the child to do the bedtime routine <laughs> or do it peacefully and so um you know one thing that really helped us with that was just getting playful with it and remembering that even though it's a routine you know kids are wired for play so um while we as parents might be like let's check off all the things and go to bed yay um you know the child is still looking for ways to play and not to do these boring tasks so um i remember one thing very clearly that stands out with my firstborn um was that he was just didn't want to brush his teeth or i don't remember exactly what it was that he did not want to do and none of my good ideas were interesting to him <laughs> I happened to be holding one of his stuffed animals and I just popped it up and I just had, hey, buddy, could you uh, brush your teeth? I want to see how good you can brush them. And he started brushing his teeth. Oh, my goodness. I couldn't believe it. It was just like an act of desperation that turned into something <laughs> that actually worked. And I don't think he really thought the animal was talking to him. I mean, I didn't try to hide the fact that there I was talking for his stuffy, but I think just that playfulness kind of catching him off guard and and kind of speak in his language really worked. And so that's actually something that worked. You know, some parenting things you try and you're like, oh, that worked once. Okay, great. Right. <laughs> but that one actually worked several times and I would come to it when I really needed it. Um, or just things like, can you walk like um, like a bear over to get your PJs? Or can you hop like a bunny or zoom like a superhero? You know, just keeping it playful. And then going back to books, sometimes I would pick a rhyme from a book that we were very familiar with, like good night, good night construction site. And when it was just like the whining and the didn't want, and I just kind of catch them off guard by being like, these big, big trucks so tough and loud, they work so hard, so rough and proud. Tomorrow is another day, another chance to work and play. Like, we'll get back to the play, buddy. Like, it's okay, let's, but we gotta get head to bed. So, you know, things like that, just to keep it playful, were really helpful for us. See, now you're making me think of things like Chicka Chicka Boom Boom, Will There Be Enough Room? I, I mean, I haven't read that book in so many years because my children are older, but it is still in my mind mm. and I can still say that line and my daughter will say it back to me. And it's just a little memory that we have of yeah. a bonding connection together. Well, Valerie, you gave so much great advice. I want to go back and visit a couple of things that you said. I love what you said about the audiobooks. That's mm. so great because it's giving that auditory stimulation, but there's no blue light. Mm -hmm. So there's no screen associated with it. And it still activates your child's imagination in a way that's really helpful. But still, you know, maybe you need a break from having to read the mm -hmm. same book for the 1000th time, you right. know, I really think that's a great idea. And I love the idea of being playful too. I remember one of my kids favorite books when they were little was this silly book called Pete's a pizza, like it sounds like I'm saying pizza pizza, but it's Pete was a little boy named Pete, Pete's a pizza. And it was all about how his dad made him into a pizza. So they would want my husband to act this book out, you know, completely. And there were other books like that, that had animal sounds or that kind of thing. And I think sometimes when we, as parents, we arrive to that 
bedtime time, we're kind of done. Mm-hmm. You know, we want yes. our adult time. Like I want to do laundry or catch up on a show or, you know, maybe mm-hmm. take a bath or just be, you know, by myself. <laughs> and sometimes that makes us impatient for bedtime. But that's why making it a routine, knowing that if you do this for 20 or 30 minutes a night, or even shorter, you could start off with 10 or 15 minutes. It will pay dividends in the long run. But sometimes I think that can be really hard for us as parents to do that. Now, if you're wondering how in the world I transitioned, if you're listening from this playful time, how do you go from that rambunctious time? Mm. Well, remember I told you in the first segment that if you do these things consistently every night, it will trigger melatonin production in your kid's brain, telling them it's time for bed. And my secret, Valerie, that, that I figured out was prayer was a really Mm -hmm. good way to get them to go to sleep. Now, I'm not going to comment on the theological (laughs) soundness of this, okay, but I will tell you what I did. So after we would read those playful books, then I would start to pray and I would pray very slowly Mm. and very in my radio voice, which my kids say, you know, POV, your mom's voice is good ASMR to sleep to, right? (laughs) But they weren't going to interrupt my prayer. I'm not done praying. And I would just pray so sweetly. Mm. And most of the time that would work. And I think that another thing you said was really good, Valerie, is that, you know, we have to be consistent over time and be patient for these things to develop. So I don't know, do you have any other last thoughts on that? encouragement for parents in practical ways? Well, just that the audiobooks, you know, the other good thing about that is um, sometimes having a parent in the room, even if we're not done, even if we could cuddle with them all night, is stimulating to the child. So I have one that, you know, just doesn't want to say goodnight. And, you know, sometimes I'm like, I should stay and rub his back. But then <laughs> that would just be way too much. He'd think of all these things to say to me. And so the audiobook was a good transition for him. It was really helpful. So yeah, that would be one. And, you know, I think the other thing that I, I'm thinking is that all I have four kids. They're all different, mm. but I do have a bedtime routine with every single one of them. And and I'm going to be really honest. This is something I have really invested in as a parent because I knew in those early days I had a baby with colic mm. and then a baby with sleep issues and it affected everything. You know, where I'm just feeling grumpy and cranky and not my best. And then, you know, it's just not great because you've got kids coming in your room all night long Mm -hmm. and waking you up. There is nothing more terrifying. (laughs) You know what I'm going to say? You're asleep. And then all of a sudden you open your eyes and you see this ghostly face in front of you, you know, just staring at you. Oh, I didn't want to wake you up. Well, you've given me a heart attack now. So, So I did invest in bedtime with my kids. And I will tell you, it is one of my greatest parenting accomplishments. Believe me, I have plenty of failures I could share with you. But every one of them is different and they've been different in every season. So one of them, it's very quick, but we just have a little blessing that we say back and forth to each Mm -hmm. other, just a little thing that it's, you know, good night. And, and, you know, we say that back and forth. Another one, that's when I'm going to sit and hear the war and peace of their life. You know, when you pick them up from school, it's how was your day? Fine. Well, what was fine about it? Well, why are you asking me all these questions? But then all of a sudden at bedtime, 
oh, let me read you out of chapter 47 of my day. (laughs) And you have to be prepared to have yourself, you know, ready for that. And then, you know, others, and maybe just a quick kiss and a just kiss, good night. You know, I love you and I'm going to pray for you. Um, And and I love having that individualized approach. Mm -hmm. But, you know, Valerie, even for me, even through my kids being up in high school, I would read out loud to them. Mm. And that was so fun. And you have to accept as a parent that, you know, your kids are not going to say, oh, I have the greatest mom in the world. Let me tell all my friends at lunch. My mom reads to me at night. It's so special. Like, right. No, that doesn't happen. Right. But I'll get this kind of Oh, are you going to read tonight? And we would go through different adventure series. I might read something different to my boys than I read to my girls. But those, the power of story was mm. really helpful in creating a bond and also creating prompts for conversation. Definitely. Well, when we come back, we're going to give you more, hey, we're in the same boat with you. We've been there. We've done that. We're doing that. <laughs> and I'm going to ask Valerie some questions about some specific books that she recommends for different age groups, some family devotionals, and how books can inspire kids with their stories and help the kids face the unknown. And most of all, how to teach your kids about God's love with those books. So don't go away. We'll be right back. Podcasts of the Dr. Nurse Mama Show are available on the podcast page at AFR.net. Now, back to Dr. Jessica Peck on American Family Radio. Well, hey, friends, and welcome back to my conversation with Valerie Ellis. We are talking about our 52 Habits for Healthy Parenting, and this week it is a bedtime routine. So if bedtime is a struggle in your house, whether it's just for you as a parent, as an adult, or if it's for a newborn, a toddler, a teenager, this is your sign that it is time to do something different. And sometimes I think in those moments of struggle, we just want to get through that moment. We just want to get through that night. But we have to realize that investing in a bedtime routine is really a healthy habit that will pay off dividends in so many ways. So you may go through a few difficult nights, and then after that, bedtime will be so much more just pleasant and your mornings will be more pleasant and you will have better behavior, a better outlook. It is time, my friends, to have a bedtime routine. And so if you don't have one, it can be good if you're a parent to talk to your healthcare provider, if you're struggling with bedtime to say, these are my specific struggles so they can help you with things like whether that's have them, your kid having trouble going to sleep, whether they go to sleep, but then they wake up in the night, whether they're waking up early in the morning, there are a lot of ways that we as healthcare providers are equipped to counsel individual situations. But today I'm talking to Valerie Ellis, who is a children's book author, a speaker, and the founder of the multi-author online resource, Our Everyday Parables. You can go to ouryverydayparables.com for parenting and book resources. And we're just having a chat mom to mom about some of these challenges. And Valerie, I want to go back to the older kids routine. We Let's finish talking about that because 
This is really important. A lot of older kids, I know I have teenagers, they are stressed because they have so much homework or they have after school activities or they're at a sports game until late and they come home and they just are barely falling in their beds and we don't really have some sense of routine. What have you learned as your kids have gotten older and what advice do you have for those older kids? Well, one thing is that having their stuffies talk to them to get them more compliant in the bedtime routine doesn't work anymore. So that in some ways is good because then we can um, kind of reason with them a little bit more, but then we don't have those tips and tricks. And so, you know, like you said, some kids are just falling into bed and others like my nine-year-old are struggling with um getting through all of the steps in a timely way so that he can do the more relaxing, fun things like draw or read in his bed or read with us or whatever. Um, And so one thing as the kids have gotten older is just help them become more aware of time, more aware of how long things are taking. And um, so we actually put a little clock in his shower that um, it's an analog clock so he can kind of see the, the, progression of how the time is moving, you know, versus a digital clock. And, um, you know, he has his checklist that has a little slider that can click, click, you know, everything he checks off. And so we've done this together because he's getting older, right? So it's not like mom saying, this is your routine. Um, in fact, last night we actually timed the steps of how long does each thing take? Not when you're going your fastest and not when you're going your slowest, but about how long so that you can know, like, are you staying on track? Because, you know, he's so playful that he's not doing anything wrong, but just, you know, he's got a million ideas and they're just all there, you know, so he's not getting through those steps. And then the end of the night comes and it's bedtime. It's like, well, he hasn't had a chance to read yet and do all the things he wants to do. So it's really trying to help him see this is helping you, buddy, you know. And so that's, you know, with him, whereas my other son, very different, you know, he is got that idea of like, I'm going to get down to business and get this reading going on. And so for him, um, one thing we do is we do like, say, you know, screens off at a certain time, he's 13. So he does have access to like a phone that we give him some privileges with, but, you know, turn off the phone at a certain time. We actually dim our lights in the living areas too, um, just to kind of signal to everybody, like it's bedtime. We it's like more chill music. Like, yes, you can still play your music, but we're not, it's not going to be the most (laughs) upbeat music. And then sometimes we'll have them transition to, instead of reading out in the living room, like read in their bed. So that's another signal to the body. Like we're getting ready for bed. So that's just some things we've done as we've gotten older. I'm sure you have your ideas too of what's worked for your kids. I do, but I think everybody wants your clock and your chart and they want you to come read every night, Valerie, because you have such a great reading voice. But you know, you're right. I think if you are thinking, okay, I don't have a bedtime routine, no matter what age or stage, I think if you could just do two things, it just to start with, it would really help. And the one is what you just talked about is eliminating that screen time before bed. So with my kids, that's actually part of our bedtime routine is checking 
in their phones. Mm. So they ha- we have a phone check-in station in the kitchen and that's where they, they know they're about to go to bed. So they go and they take their phones there. They make sure they're charged for the next day, but it also makes it, there's no tempting access in the middle of the night, or if mm-hmm. they wake up, they're not looking at the screen to say, Oh, what time is it? Oh, wait, I missed this notification. Oh, wait, now I'm watching, you know, cat videos at two o'clock in the morning. <laughs> That's all that happens. So it's just been uh, an expectation from the beginning, and now it's part of the routine. And mm-hmm. so I think if you could just find a way to eliminate screens, you would be really on your way. And then the second thing would be just incorporating one habit. So if you could just at least start with one thing that you think, all right, I'm going to do this every night before I go to bed. That's the same. So for my kids, that can be different. You know, that can be like one of my children likes me to put my hand on their forehead and say a prayer out loud. Mm. Like that's just what we do. And if, if everything else is quick, then that's going to be that one thing. But I think those are things that are helpful. And it is difficult, Valerie, for kids to slow down after the busy pace of the day. I mean, mm-hmm. kids, we just live fast. We have fast food and where we're going all of these places and doing all of these things that are well-intentioned, it's really hard for kids to slow down and to connect. So you have some recommendations of books that can help you slow down and connect with God and with your family. Yes. So yes, we do have a post up with some of our favorite books. And I just wanted to zoom in on some that are great for slowing down and um, for, for, younger ages and also older. And so I want to also highlight a faith-based book and one that's easy to find at the library. So just a general market book that, you know, is free because we can't spend all of our money on books, even though personally, I would love that. (laughs) (laughs) So I'll try to highlight, you know, on both sides, because, you know, at our everyday parables, one thing we love to do is draw faith conversations out of just those everyday books that we run across or those popular books that are easy to find. There are ways to talk about faith and there are ways to talk about love and caring um, from those books too. So one is the world is awake which might seem like that does not belong in this conversation because we're talking about bedtime routine. But like you said, Jessica, we live fast paced and sometimes it can be hard to just put the brakes on and all of a sudden, like you're sleepy now, go to sleep. So this book really takes kids from like the morning until night and it ends very quietly, perfect for bedtime, but it has that kind of progression to help bring them along. And I really love it. And another one is um, in a jar. Oh, so um, the world is awake does talk about God, God's creation and God's plan for us. And so that would be the faith based one. And then in a jar is one that you could probably find at the library. It's this beautiful, dreamy book of bunnies that can capture anything in their treasure jars. They're just mason jars, but they can capture the leaves, but they can also capture the night sky or, you know, anything that's happening, any feelings or things that are happening. And so it's, it's a beautiful book. Well, one moves away. And so they start sending jars back and forth of their different experiences. And then at the end, a new friend joins in and it's great for sharing memories of the day. You you could talk about like, what, what would you put in your jar from today? Or what's one of your favorite jars you've ever collected or talking about highs and lows. Like if I, you know, like if I were far away, like what kind of jar would you send me? It's just great for starting conversations. So, and then for older kids, um, you know, 
they're sometimes I can engage mine in those picture books and they are really great encapsulated stories where we can have those conversations, but often we're reading, you know, novels. And so I just wanted to throw out a couple that I love, which are the wing feather saga. It's, um, Andrew Peterson and then tree street kids, um, is about a fun neighborhood group that they solve mysteries and they learn a lot about friendship and it's faith-based and then Dead Sea Squirrels is a silly one that... Um, Dead Sea Squirrels. Not Dead, <laughs> Dead, that's right. Okay. So, Dead Sea Squirrels. Yes. So suspend <laughs> reality and imagine that squirrels come back from biblical times and get in all kinds of adventures with modern kids. So that's kind of like... So fun. It's very fun. Um, and then so... Um, more on the left, you could find this at your library side of things. Um, your pal Fred, uh, the second one just came out and it's very cute. So imagine like a Teddy Ruxpin, like, I don't know if that would <laughs> translate to this audience, but you know, a talking doll, um, shuts down for decades and wakes up and it's basically the apocalypse. So everything has gone wrong. No one remembers what it's like to love or share. It's just chaos all the time. And he comes in with his stickers and his positive attitude and his love and his friendship and teaches people again, how to get along. And it just reminds me of like going back to like our, the way God made us like before everything went wrong. And so even though it's not a faith-based book, we draw out a lot of conversations with that. And it's just plain fun. It's super silly. Um, I don't know if I mentioned it's a graphic novel. And another one that my kids are reading now is Real Pigeons Fight Crime. Um, we also <laughs> love The Terrible Two, which is um, not a graphic novel. It's a four book series about pranksters. And it's just very rich with friendship and Likewise, the Vanderbeekers. So that's a nice one that has a lot of kids with a lot of different personalities and a lot of ways that you can bring up family conversations. Well, those are all great, inspiring ideas. And I think it's important to realize that that's an opportunity that we have at bedtime to introduce conversation through the power of story, because sometimes it can be difficult when we're going in and talking to our kids, whether they're very little, whether they're four or five, and they may have difficulty expressing their emotions or their feelings, like say, if they've lost a grandparent or if they're moving or something like that, having a story they can relate to that can can help them express that emotion and help you know they're experiencing that is really helpful. And some books that I love, we had Robin Jones Gunn on the show last mm. week. And of course, she wrote books for teenage girls called the Christy Miller series. And they were great. And I read those out loud to my kids and my girls would get really involved in the romances that were there, you know, and, and they portrayed them in a very realistic way. These were not perfect characters, but they were characters who did aspire to walk with the Lord, who did want to have a Christian life. And it sparked so much conversation. And it was a lot better than if I would go in at bedtime and say, okay, well, what are you struggling with? You know, mm -hmm. like, nothing, mom, nothing. I just want to go to bed. But we read a story and they start asking questions and it just inspires that conversation. Well, we've also talked in our Healthy Habits series, Valerie, about gratitude and how powerful that is. And I want to remind our listeners that when we're talking about these 52 healthy habits, so many of them can be stacked. Mm -hmm. So prayer can be part of your bedtime routine. Practicing gratitude can be part of your bedtime routine or 
memorizing scripture. That can be what you're meditating on or thinking about as you're going to sleep. So it's not 52 new things that you're doing, but there's so many ways to pack that in here. So I would love to hear your suggestions for gratitude or family devotional times. Yes. And, you know, before I get to that, when you mentioned the different components that you could add to your routine, it just reminded me that I want to encourage parents that to switch up the order of things if things aren't working. So don't be afraid to like do prayer first and then brush your teeth. Um, We've found, you know, at different ages and stages, different things working. And gratitude is definitely one that is great for ending the day. Also wonderful for kids who are, have some trouble going to sleep because they're scared. When we focus on what we're thankful for, it can really help us remember, you know, that God's got us, that he's been, that he's been there for us all this time and we'll see it again. So, um, I want to just highlight, thank you, God, good night. It's an adorable rhyming gratitude book for littler kids. And then what I like most is one that you might find at the library and it just takes a girl through different things in her day ordinary things some of them some of them more profound like friendship and just helps you know bridge that conversation where we could say what do you like most what do you like most in your day so i really love those two for talking about gratitude um because it is really important to focus on the wonderful things that God's given us at the end of the day. Well, Valerie, where can we find your website and more about the books that you've written? Well, you could find me at ValerieEllis.com or at I am Valerie Ellis on Instagram. Um, and then like you mentioned, our everyday parables.com. And my book is share the joy, a Christmas lift the flat book. And it's adorable. It's so cute. And I am a big Christmas fan. I think you can read Christmas books in February or July or any day. So go and get the book. Again, OurEverydayParables.com or what did you, IamValerieEllis.com. You can find her there. Thanks so much for joining us and we'll see you next time. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.